Welcome to the Popular Pig Podcast, a convenient place where you can stay up to date on what's popular in the swine industry. By listening to Popular Pig, you will receive invaluable information on the latest trends, news, and research from various experts who guide the global pork industry. Popular Pig is brought to you by SwineTech, the award-winning creators of SmartGuard and PigFlow. To learn how PigFlow can help you streamline your workforce and reduce piglet and sow deaths, visit swinetechnologies.com. Popular Pig is also made possible by Johnsonville Foods, Swine Robotics, SwineWeb.com, and Innovative Heating, the manufacturers of Hog Hearth. Welcome to the Popular Pig Podcast. My name is Matthew Rota, your host for today's episode. Today, we're going to talk about how Clemens creates a unique approach to creating value. And joining us is Josh Reynolds. How are you doing today, Josh? Doing great. How are you? I'm doing really good. Thank you for joining us uh, on the podcast to talk about your topic that you actually presented as a keynote during the Layman Conference. Would it be okay if you start by introducing yourself and your background? So as you mentioned, I'm Josh Reynolds. I'm uh, actually, I was uh, raised in Northern Missouri, small town, Unionville, Missouri. I uh, went to, went to college in Kansas city, um, William Jewell and uh, you know, not really, not really with a uh, master plan to be in the, uh, the meat industry. But uh, after I graduated farmland industries was a, was a large employer in the area. And I, I joined farmland industries and, well, there I, I had transferred into their foods division and uh, kind of got sucked into the meat business. So, you know, for the most part, I've been in the meat, meat business uh, for the most of the time ever since. Uh, and I joined uh, Clemens Food Group here about 15 years ago. Uh, actually, it was my wife and I's primarily first time actually spending much time at all on the East Coast. So we're located at, outside of Philadelphia. And while at uh, while at Clemens, I started out in finance, uh, had some leadership roles uh, from supply chain, operations, uh, marketing, sales and marketing, and I'm currently the uh, CFO for uh, Clemens Family Corporation. So I guess, but before we hop off and talk about Clemens and really what you spoke about at Layman and, and some of your key takeaways, I want to start off by asking a couple of fun questions. The first one being. What is something about you that most of the people you work with do not know? Well, this would be kind of a fun fact. There's there's some some folks I work with uh, know this, but I wouldn't say everybody. I, I mentioned being from a small town in northern Missouri, and uh, our our mascot was actually the midgets, Putnam County midgets, and it's still the uh, still the midgets this day. I actually uh, my fat's usually a uh, a normal uh, holiday gift for me as some crisp some uh, midget uh, apparel and I wear it proudly out here on the, on the East coast. <laughs> so now I'm going to flip it. Or I guess what's something about you that only the people you work with know? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I would say that, you know, the folks that, that I work with know that, um, you know, I'm, I'm very open and interested in, in jumping in a lot of de- areas that, uh, you know, I might not be most familiar with. I mentioned I'm currently the CFO and I would say I spend, you know, 90% of my time outside of the finance areas. I, I really enjoy, you know, operations and sales and connecting with their customers and, and working, you know, on the business uh, versus in, you know, a traditional finance role. Gotcha. No, that's cool. So when we jump into hopping and hopping in and talking about Clemens and how you are creating in, uh, creating unique value, 
Can you talk a little bit about Clemens? Give us an overview of who is Clemens and, and what do they do today? You bet. Yeah, Clemens is a, a 126-year-old uh, company. Uh, it's privately owned. We actually have about 365 uh, family shareholders. And the, uh, the ownership ranges from second generation to sixth generation, which is pretty unique. Uh, and, the, and the family, you know, we're really blessed as a company with our ownership group. Uh, they take a, a long-term view on things. I, when I was hired, I remember in the interview, uh, the, the company was explained to me as a family heirloom. And at, at the time, I probably didn't appreciate what that meant enough. And, and after working here and seeing the family and, and meeting some of the patriarchs in the family, I, you know, I get it now. And they, they have their ownership values. They actually call out seven, seven ownership values. And they range from honoring the God to take honoring God to taking a long-term view to sharing success with team members, uh, you know, being good stewards. And they just, they just, uh, they want to do business the right way and, uh, and, and therefore have a lot of family pride in the business. And, uh, you know, you mentioned, uh, I mentioned out there, you know, a unique approach and that, that unique approach really starts off with the, the mission of the company. Uh, it's, it's pretty unique. We aspire to operate in a way that honors the Lord Jesus Christ as demonstrated through ethics, integrity, and stewardship. And, you know, that's not, uh, you don't see very many mission statements like that for companies. You know, usually it's about, you know, being the, the largest or, you know, this most profitable or this, this goal. And it's really, their mission is about operating in a, in, in a way that honors the Lord Jesus Christ. And the key word at the beginning, that's aspire. You know, we're not always going to, we're not always going to get it right. But uh, our, our aspiration is to, to operate in a, in a way that honors the Lord. And it doesn't mean you have to be a Christian that works here. Um, I, like I shared, maybe even at the Lehman meeting, you know, we have, we start our leadership meetings off with a prayer. And, uh, you know, I've talked to some folks that's in there that, that might not be Christians. And they said, well, at first I thought that would be awkward. But when they, when they understand, we're usually praying for our team members, uh, you know, health, um, you know, giving thanks. And praise for those that operate by the core values. And, and once they kind of see what that means, they they really kind of um, rally around it. You know, the other thing with our mission, it, it talks, it calls out our core values, ethic, ethics, integrity, and stewardship. And those are very, very uh, important to the organization. If you would, uh, you know, come through any of our facilities, you'll see that those you know, posted everywhere. And we've we've tried to simplify them for everybody. Uh, so we when we say ethics. It's, it means I'll do the right thing. When we say integrity, it means I'll do what I say. And when we say stewardship, and it means I'll build the foundation for the future. So that those are those are kind of the uh, you know the foundations of the company. And then if you talk about the specifics of the company, we would we would call ourselves a vertically coordinated company. So we have a farming operation, uh, Countryview Family Farms, and we also have uh, producer partners. Um, that are key to our success for our business. Then we have about, uh, we have three plants. We're building a fourth. We have two plants in Pennsylvania, one, one large hat field, which is a um, harvest plant as well as makes bacon, hams, sausage. We have a, a fresh plant in Coldwater, Michigan. And then we are building a new uh, processed meats plants right across here from our made plant Hatfield. And then the third, the third part of our business is PB transport. It's our, it's our live uh, haul and refrigerated uh, transportation. And it's pretty much solely, you know, to support the uh, Hatfield Clemens business. But we do do some uh, third-party 
work as well. Um, and if you kind of roll it up, what, you know, what's that mean? Kind of, you know, size, well, you know, we're about the, about the fifth largest pork processor, uh, 10 largest hog producer. We have about 4,000 team members, you know, roughly uh, $1.8 billion in sales. So hope that answers kind of a little bit overview of the, the company. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's that's a really great overview. And I think there's a lot of people out there who who didn't know more. And that, that really helps them have a good idea of where you're coming from. And, and in, in the Layman Conference, you really hit on the aspect of stewardship and what that meant. I really liked how you broke the things down with ethics and integrity and and stewardship and, and what those mean. Could you talk a little bit about stewardship and how you guys approach that and how that's bled into your business model? Definitely. Yeah, so you know when we talk about stewardship, I uh, mentioned the the owners, and it translates right to business. That we take we take a long term view of things. Uh, it's a, a blessing of being a private company. You know why we do that is you know hey, if we if we have a long term view, that gives more stability to the business, and then allows us to focus on the right things. We're not worried about the next uh, quarterly stock report. Uh, we can focus on on doing on doing things that we know will add value and add a sense of pride. Uh, to our shareholders, our team members, and the community, and uh, it, you know, just allows us to uh, you know make make long term decisions, and that's been a key to our success. And I think that's definitely why we're around for 126 years. Our it's said a lot of times around here, you know, if you're green, uh, you grow; if you're red, you rot. Uh, and I think that's from Ray Kroc. And so we we always are trying to challenge and make sure we're always got the mind that we're never we've never arrived, that we're always needing to grow and challenge and seek opportunities, be willing to change. And then I talked about the right activities. So what that means to us, kind of how that plays out, we basically have three strategic areas of focus, and that's people, process, and partners. So when we say people, we want our people to be the best connected and cared for. We want our process to be proven best and optimized. We want our partners to be our advocates and receive value from our relationships. And we say if we do all those things well, the fourth, uh, the fourth P is performance, and and basically, if we can do the first three P's well, partners, people, and process, then the fourth P uh, will come. And and if performance doesn't come, then we know we know to go back to those, the first three P's I mentioned, as uh, that's going to be the route to fix that. And I and also talked out there uh, when we talk about uh, sustainability or stewardship. There's the whole concept of corporate, corporate social responsibility. That's I, as, a, as a senior leader here, we spend more and more time talking about that. And, and to us, we, we kind of put that in buckets of environment, animal welfare, you know, our people, food safety, and communities. So I'll, I'll kind of talk maybe a little bit about each. You know, but first, uh, people. Uh, and we would say our executive team, our, our main responsibility is making sure that we you know, we create and maintain a culture of success. So that, as a senior team, that's that's our number one goal. Also, with uh, on the people side, uh, we focus on uh, you know new new kind of topic here in the last two or three years out there, diversity inclusion, and we've we've embraced that. We've we've formed a, a now group, a network of women. We are in forming a, a network of minorities as well. Uh, we do quite a bit of frontline leadership training orientation, a lot of focus on trying to improve our team members' experience. And uh, one way we 
we use as a pulse on that is we do a uh, you know an annual engagement survey and uh, we have extremely high participation in that in the 90s of, of looking on how engaged team members are. We look for their ideas and we try to incorporate that and make sure we're continuously improving our engagement. One of the other uh, buckets under corporate social responsibility is communities. We're very much about wanting to be a good neighbor um, and, and support the communities we work. We uh, also really encourage uh, as, a, you know, as a senior member uh, of the team, you know, we're highly encouraged to really take part and be a part of the community support, whether it's youth sports or I, I personally have served on the board of the YMCA and get involved and, and help, help the communities. Uh, we can, you know, it's not just dollars either. It's time and energy. And we're all, all encouraged. Uh, we have a lot of passionate people here. And, uh, you know, I can speak. We have a, 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 a leader, Sandra, who leads our supply chain, uh, is actually supporting ALS. We actually actually has a walk this Sunday uh, they're doing. And I think she's raised, I think it last I heard, around $13,000. And we've given her the platform to talk to the, to the company and people rally around her. And she's got a bunch of people, you know, supporting her on her cause. And, and that really makes us proud whenever we, we see people, you know, get involved, get behind a charity and uh, make the world a better place. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And, and uh, it's really exciting. And uh, the other, the other one, the environment, that's very big in our industry. Uh, we, we have, you know, for a long time, always looked to do the right thing. We've done, we've done things, all of our, all of our South farms we own in PA have, uh, are powered by solar panels. We do a lot with uh, water reuse programs and we look at fleet efficiency. Uh, so we're, we've always been on that journey. I would say the one thing, you know, we've talked internally is, you know, we got to do a better job of, of, of telling the story. Uh, we're not, we're not very good about telling the story and making sure that we keep this type of stuff. We just, we kind of take the ideas and, and the progress as one-offs and we don't roll it together. And uh, I know I sat through the, the pork board had a, had a session there at Lehman and I really, I really was aligned to what they were um, really kind of their direction with the, the pork industry. And it's like, Hey, we gotta, we gotta do a better job of, taking credit for things already done. So that's, that's an area that we know we need to, we need to focus on, but we, we, we do know that we're doing the right things and it's part of, part of our stewardship. We just got to tell a better story. Yeah. That story that I've done a few podcasts around that. That's just a big element. I mean, you can't just be a good storyteller overnight, right? There's, there's planning involved. And as an industry, there are so many amazing things that we're doing and we typically wait till way later. And after the fact, to tell those stories when we're trying to defend ourselves on some kind of an allegation when really if we get out front of that and and just tell our story on a continual basis and just continue to to be proud of what we're doing and 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 pay for that recognition could really more. change the the feel I couldn't I couldn't agree more so you talked a bit about your brands and I know you have some pretty big brands that you guys work with and there's a lot of a lot of real cool cool stories behind that can you talk about the brands you work with and what your go-to-market strategy has been? Yeah, we have, you know, we have uh, probably four to five brands. Hatfield is our legacy brand that's, uh, um, you know, very well known here on the East Coast, uh, both in retail and food service. Uh, we also have Premium Reserve brand um, that's kind of a highly marbled pork. Uh, another newer brand is Farm Promise. Maybe I'll talk about the, the Hatfield brand and, and our Farm Promise brand. So our our Hatfield brand, we've, we've kind of come up with the t- tagline pork with a pledge. 
and uh, you know, pledge to our planet, animals, and people. Now, we're committed to be 100% gestation crate free by 2022 uh, at, at both plants. And basically, our you know, we we put the claim out there that we're committed to animal care, um, no hormone steroids, and and growth promotants. And really, it's about being family-owned, sustainable farming, fair and wage, workforce development, and char- charitable giving priority. And we've found that's um, that's resonated uh, a lot with our customers and consumers. So that's that's kind of our legacy brand. Uh, a newer brand for us is our Farm Promise brand. It's our our antibiotic-free line, and that's really uh, grown quite a bit. I was uh, I was actually. Uh, over the marketing area about the time that this was developed. I, I wish I could say that we did a whole bunch of consumer studies and and that led us to, uh, you know, we need to be in the antibiotic-free business, but it was kind of by, I don't want to say by accident, there was a purpose behind it, but really why we were in the antibiotic-free uh, business to start with was our, our CEO, Doug Clemens, knew that cons- uh, consumers and customers are going to continue always be raising the bar on antibiotic use and no better way to learn and grow to, to have farm a farm that was 100% antibiotic free. So we actually had that a farm that was antibiotic free and we really weren't doing anything as far as trying to monetize that. So uh, like I said, whenever we were in, uh, in, in marketing at the time, we said, hey, we, we, we have this product. Uh, let's do let's try to let's try to see what it can become and uh, we knew one of the keys is it's got to be with pigs it, it comes down to carcass utilization um, poultry has it a little bit easier because there's so much of the the animal value in the animals in the breast where in the in pork there's so many different primals and you can't you can't justify a program by selling the tenderloins you got to sell the whole carcass so we started that program probably seven years ago and we're up it started out at 600 hogs a week and uh, we're about 14,000 uh, hogs a week now in that program. And we see that continuing to grow. Uh, and that's really the no antibiotic free uh, program and always fed a veg diet. And uh, basically play in uh, two different worlds uh, when it comes to sales. Uh, we have our really push driven commodity sales. And in that business, you've got to be good in order to survive. Uh, it's, it's a big part of the Packer game. It's, it's a pennies game. Uh, and, uh, you, you got a whole hog, you've got, we got thousands of SKUs. You've got to sell them all. They don't, they don't grow in value the longer you hold on to them. So you know, efficiency is the key. Labor availability is a, a huge driver and, uh, you've got to be able to, you've got to be able to compete both domestically and internationally and make that work. Then we also have our business is the value added sales and it's more of a pool driven model. Uh, you know, in, in order to, uh, Add value, you got to add value, you got to thrive. If not, you'll be commoditized, you'll be put back in that survive mode. And so the way we go about doing that is how do we add value to our customers? And we say our goal is to make our customers' life easier and, and make them more money. And, uh, you know, it starts with discipline because you can't be everything to everyone. So we actually, uh, you know, have our resources focused and, and kind of categorize customers so that we can apply the right resources to them. You still got to take care of transactional accounts. They're very important, uh, but we, we need to be purposeful about how we allocate resources to our value added accounts. So it really comes down to, you know, strategy and alignment. Uh, and, and that can go to any channel. We, we can be flexible because we play in food service. We play in some national accounts. Uh, you know, we can pivot to where the opportunity is. 
uh, whether it be Cisco and supporting some of their private brands or in a, in a retailer like Giant or national account like uh, like Wendy's. So what has that been like working with a, with a Wendy's or a Cisco and, and how has that partnership looked like to identify what, what things can add value? Well, um, you know, I got a lot of examples. You know, Wendy's is a very progressive uh, organization. Uh, actually, the, the relationship came from through one of our producer partners uh, who, who have been a, has been a long-term and will continue to be a long-term supplier to both, both our plants. And, uh, you know, they, they, they value animal welfare and I, you know, I would say they're, they're much more on the forefront of animal welfare and antibiotic use than, than I would have given them credit for it before I got to know them through this process. So they value, um, you know, they've been to our farms. They've actually, uh, come and talked to our hog producers and talked about where they're going and where, you know, what's important to them. So they, they value our system and, you know, small number of producers, that they can have an influence on and a voice with. So I think they're, they're a perfect example of how to, how, how our models added value to them and it's worked for both of us. Gotcha. Well, you also talked about vertical coordination. I mean, how does that work and, and what, what makes that different? Yeah. So, you know, we, most of our history has been out here in uh, Pennsylvania uh, and there's, I guess you could say it was a, a blessing in disguise, but we don't have, hundreds of hog producers to buy from and they don't have multiple packers to sell to. So we've, we've had to, we were kind of forced both sides to really learn to partner together and uh, rely on each other. And that was very key. Whenever we opened the, the Michigan plant that there was that same type of relationship and progressive producers. So we have about 20 producers that supply both our plants. So about 20 producers that, that, basically equate to 125,000 pigs a week being harvested. But because of that close network, we're, you know, really able to act as a, as a system and that whether it be animal welfare programs, feeding programs, judicial use of antibiotics. Uh, I mentioned making the open pen gestation commitment by 2022. And even with prop 12, uh, we did a lot of discovery and explaining with our producers and Hey, here's the opportunity and um, many of those has, have signed up uh, on the Prop 12 plan. And to our customers, they, they value that confidence. I mean, we just talked about when they value that confidence and that they know the overall system. Uh, it allows us to add unique value and mark something different and, and align customers that also value that type of model. So what's our role in that? You know, as Clemens Food Group, uh, you know, we, we want to see customers and consumers who value, you know, a discussion that's beyond price alone. So we, we have what we call discovery sessions where we're, we're listening, we're telling our story, we're listening, trying to understand what their needs are. Uh, sometimes it's education and industry. It's, you know, farm tours and explaining the difference in, 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 in the different um, raising styles of, of pork. And so our approach has been a really a take, why, you know, why not approach. Uh, you know, we've learned that, you know, defending emotion and science almost impossible. I, I can remember back this, this was probably back in 2007 when internally we were talking about uh, open pin and, and removing the uh, crates really aligning with the Ohio standard. And I, I, uh, I mentioned, you know, I've worked in most areas of business, but, but not hog production. So I was more listening to what was said. And we had a lot of our 
our our country view, our, our hog system, you know, was really saying, hey, the science doesn't support, you know, crates are, are better for the animals. And, uh, you know, our, our CEO at the time said, yeah, but consumers, that's not what they're wanting us to do. We've got to figure out how to be better at, at the open pen system. And, uh, and that's kind of, that kind of is our, our why not our approach. That kind of, and, then, and from that point on, we never built a new farm uh, that didn't align to the, to the Ohio standard of, of open pen gestation. So we embrace that mindset of opportunity above really all else. And then we, we, we look at the whole picture and uh, want to give returns, uh, you know, when value is received. So, you know, kind of what does that mean? If you think about the, the whole system, you know, take, I talked about the antibiotic free and the farm promise band uh, brand. It's, it's pretty complicated because on hog production, you know, there's, we have, you know, pen requirements and layout. You've got to segregate the treated pigs. There's outside complete, you know, some of our customers, they have their own uh, compliance program. So you have audits associated with and feed mill audits and documentation to support. And then when it comes to the processing plant, you've got to schedule those hogs together. And usually, at, you know, certain times a day, because they got to run during the plant at the same time. And we have to we have to track that product all the way through our plant. Those hundreds of parts that come off that pig, we track those separately so that we can uh, con- control that inventory. Uh, and then we'll have the, the same type of compliance with audits there at the plant. And then on the sales side, I mentioned you can't you can't sell one part of the pig. You've got to sell the whole pig or as much of it as you can. So we spend a lot of time on primal management. We can might be completely sold on one primal, then we got to focus on the other primal. And sometimes that changes as your hog flow grows. So a lot of time on balancing the hog. And then we share that the model with our producer partners. And, uh, you know, some really, their systems work for it and some, you know, don't. But, uh, you know, we have some of our producers that are on the outside supplying that, that to our system. So. From a leadership standpoint, we usually look to test those things in our own system first so we can prove out the model, understand the cost, understand the value. Um, and I mentioned antibiotic free, but we do a lot of different testing. I think uh, you talked about trying to be on the forefront. Uh, you know, we, we believe hey, we've got we've to be anticipating what consumers are going to be wanting next. So we're, we're, we're testing dynamic birthing stalls and biosecure porch for sows and hoof trimming and uh, nesting enrichment programs, trying to stay ahead of what might be next. Back in 2007, we you know, kind of saw this open pin thing coming. And, and so we got to always challenge ourselves to try to stay ahead of the curve. So, I mean, now that we have a pretty good overview of Clemens, and you guys have gone through a lot of them steps towards where the industry is is headed. What advice from your point of view might you have for the industry? Oh, I, and I think we believe it's the responsibility, you know, of the industry to feed the world. When one of eight kids are malnutrition, I think I read the other day. So, you know, the protein is, you know, is going to be needed to, to feed the world. And we're a big, the U S industry is better positioned than any, anyone else. We've got the best genetics, automation, knowledge, veterinarians, uh, you know, science. So we're, we're, we're positioned better than anyone else. You know, that being said, there's going to be more challenges than ever. And we'd see them getting more and more. Uh, they're going to continue to raise, whether it be NGOs, environmentalists, uh, 
you got the plant-based protein. So there, there's going to be challenges. So, you know, you know, our, our approach and we think others say, don't spend an overabundant resources trying to defend, you know, what you're doing, you, some, you know, especially when you're playing counter, you can't counter to what somebody else is already out there. You can't counter emotion with facts. Doesn't mean that education is not important. Um, but, you know, we believe in our, you know, in our journey to feed the world, uh, we need to be a positive influence to others, whether it be by embracing challenge, act, actively seeking opportunities along the way and ask why not, you know, be, being willing to change because you'll be surprised at what you learn. Uh, so our, you, uh, that's sorry, actually an interesting point you hit on there around the um, the story and, and, and combating some of the other things. There's a a well-known marketing guru who really spoke about the importance of a timeless message. It's if you are combating something with your marketing, your efforts, your dollars, it, it's not timeless. It's short term and it's, it's negative. But if you focus on what you do well, it's going to be positive and timeless. And so your, your utilization of your dollars and the, the ROI on, on all that investment is just, it's just so much better. I'm sure and it's a balance, is, but I guess, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I agree. I think part of the key too is, you know, to try to, you know, early on, the, the initial reaction is to try to, to, to fight it and challenge it and defend and defend how we're doing. But if we can embrace it and who knows, it'll, it, it might make us better in the industry, a farm, whatever, in the long run, if we can first embrace it, try to seek, you know, where, where that side's coming from and how, how do we learn from it? Um, but I would agree with you. You know, we say our, our CEO is always uh, one of his favorite quotes that he has always reminded us, you know, if you don't, if you don't take change by the hand, it'll take you by the throat. And so how do we take change by the hand and, and try to be in front of some of these things, kind of like we talked about uh, with some of the environmental stuff uh, and try to help influence it versus, uh, you know, not embracing it. And, and it'll, otherwise it kind of takes you by the throat. I love that. That's a great saying. I mean, so I guess to spin off of change here, you were at the Layman Conference. You were able to spend some time in sessions and meet a lot of people. What were some of your key takeaways and, and lessons learned from that event? Yeah. Well, uh, I mentioned that uh, most of my background is, you know, not in pork production. So I, I will say there was some of the sessions that were way above my head. Uh, it might have been uh, as well talking Japanese I was struggling kind of understanding, but there was, there was some discussions that I really got a lot of value. A, I got a lot of value of meeting a lot of the players in the industry. Uh, there was a couple of sessions that, that stood out to, out to me that I said through one, I mentioned the, the pork board sustainability program. I, I knew they were working on something, but I hadn't yet seen the details. And I, I really aligned with where they're going. You know, their <clears throat> big thing is, Hey, there's already a lot of great things happening. That's already been done by the industry. We need to embrace that and and take credit for it and and try to get in front of this because there's been a lot of progress and uh, and so I really like their program. Uh, I'm anxious to kind of for our organization to start participating in that and I, I think that could really be a, a great thing for the industry to try to get in front of something that we know is coming. This is going that the the environmental pressures uh, and sustainability pressures are going to continue to to mount. Uh, over time, and there's already a lot of great things. So, how do we pull it all together in industry and share our story? So that I really, I really found a lot of value uh, uh, in that discussion. And then I also, uh, one of the other ones I was fascinated by, I, I, I said in a, in a discussion that, that you were, you and uh, Dr. Stein were 
were conducting, and that was pretty fascinating with with technology and 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 where uh, it could go and probably will go. Whether it would be you know wearables and and using technology to to uh, better manage farms, and I think you had you had done something in parallel the the production worker to um, almost a nursing or doctor a hospital type care where you're really treating uh, you know patients versus treating uh, pigs. And I, I found that fascinating. I think there's a lot of, lot to be said there. And I, it's pretty exciting. I think what the years to come will have as, as technology continues to evolve. And uh, so that, that was pretty exciting. I left there and just told a lot of people the stories about, about your all session. So when you look at the sustainability, it kind of hop backwards there a second uh, and technology, how much do you at Clemens look towards the consumer trends and production trends that occur in a little bit more progressive environments like Europe or maybe Australia? I don't know. I guess in some ways they're a little more progressive, but uh, I guess how, how do you look and learn from other environments to predict where we might be headed? Yeah, you know, we've we've very much looked uh, looked at, especially Europe, uh, a lot of our our farms has been built in the last 10 years. You know, um, we, we haven't built one for a few years. Uh, a lot of the technology came from what those, what, what the folks that went over there and saw how they were, um, you know, some of the, some of the technology that they were using. Um, and so, and even it's not just in hog production in our, in our new processing plant, uh, our folks went over to Europe and, uh, you know, looked at some of their, um, design and technology that was being used and that's that's in our new plant in cold water uh that we're using so we uh we think there's a lot of value in uh you know going over and seeing what's done and then taking it back and challenging what we're doing what we're doing today so before we wrap up this has been incredibly great and 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 helpful and informative and i can't thank you enough for sharing the whole story and the really in-depth information on how you guys manage your business with the audience. I think there's a lot of key takeaways that people can pull from this. What learning, or I guess what life lesson or golden nugget might you have for listeners? I think, uh, you know, as wrapped up is if, if we can keep an, you know, open mind on, on some of the changes and, you know, trust me, we've been in meetings and we've had a lot of debate on them. Uh, but if we can keep an open mind and, and try to try to embrace it and, and, figure because maybe there is a nugget that can make make us better whether either our production system or or as an industry as whole how how can we uh you know seek to understand you know what's happening around us and and employ it in our in our world that we're operating in gotcha well thank you very much josh for joining the popular pig podcast it's been a real pleasure to have you as a guest and um from everyone listening thank you thank you Thank you for joining us on this episode of Popular Pig. We aspire to learn and grow together through the experience and wisdom shared by our esteemed guests. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues within the swine industry. For more information, please go to popularpig.com to receive updates when new episodes are available. Popular Pig is brought to you by SwineTech, the award-winning creators of SmartGuard and PigFlow. To learn how PigFlow can help you streamline your workforce and reduce piglet and sow deaths, visit swinetechnologies.com.